Sometimes God does something just to show you that he can. And remember, the Old Testament is all written for our understanding, for our benefit. It's all written so that we would know him better, Romans chapter 15 says. We're going to look tonight at the, at the Shunammite woman. And um, <clears throat> Shunammite, Shunammite woman is a fascinating little story, right just dropped into the middle of everything. And it's Elisha uh, in his ministry, and he meets this lady, and some wonderful things happen. And I think, I'll talk about that in a minute, Find something exciting uh, happens later on as well, but, but we'll look at that before we're done. Let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to dive in. Second <clears throat> Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. Father, would you bless us tonight? Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for showing us so much of yourself in the Old Testament. Now, would you bless and help us to see you tonight, Lord, uh, in the lives of this these people, Lord, and how you work and what you do. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Do you think that these people that we're talking about. Remember, we looked at the widow's oil and how the widow was uh, given enough oil to care for herself, pay her debt, and for her to live on. And now we're going to look at the, uh, the Shunammite woman. Do you think these people are extraordinary people of faith or there are ordinary people who connect with an extraordinary God? That's an important question because we very often uh, say to ourselves that we, <clears throat> it's all oh, that, you know, that, that, that happened to them, that would never happen to me. And we forget the reality, you know, it's an extraordinary God, it can happen to you, it can happen for you. Then there is nothing that God has done in the past that he can't do in the future if he so desires, nothing. God is not limited in your life. Sometimes our faith does limit God, but God himself is not limited. God can do anything in your life. And we're going to see some things that God did tonight uh, that are quite amazing and how people's responses to them as well. All right, so verse 8, And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where it was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. So uh, Elisha was a traveling prophet. He was always on the move, going from one place to another in, uh, in his ministry. And as he passed through Shunem, uh, this, this woman, uh, she decided that, that, that she was going to have him stop at her place and eat every time he went through. Right? And by the way, there's, there, there, there's a whole tradition that, 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 that arises out of this, because this lady looks after the man of God, uh, and that's her heart and her passion. Now, there's nothing in it for her. Uh, she just wants to be a blessing. She just wants to be a blessing and love this man who's involved in God's work and take care of him whenever she can and whenever she's passing, uh, whenever he's passing through. And it says she was a great woman. Now, <clears throat> Whole, you can take that word great and you can make a whole a lot of different things. I think really in the context of what we're looking at here, primarily it means this. She was a wealthy woman. Um, you know, her, her husband is a farmer, obviously, uh, but they were well-to-do. They were, they, they were comfortable. Uh, she was a great woman in that sense. Now, I think she's great in another sense, but we'll see that later on uh, as well. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Right? So she thinks it through. That's quite a detailed account there in that verse. She thinks through his needs and... <clears throat> She wants to take care of him, and so she talks it over with her husband, and she says, this is a man of God amongst us. Now, uh, obviously, uh, she, she, she appreciated Elijah, but remember, 
that it's the fact that he was the man of God, that he was sent of God. Uh, she wanted that. She wanted that around her. She was a wise woman. You know, she's a wise woman. She wanted all of God that she could have in her life. Now, she doesn't need, but she wants. You know, sometimes I think we only want a little bit of God around us. Sometimes I think we only want as much as we feel comfortable with him. We don't want to push it any further than that. And I think it would be wise for us to actually say, now, hang on a minute, I want, I want all that I can get of this God. And that would mean being around God's people and wanting to be around God's people and wanting to spend time with them and wanting to be a blessing uh, to them. You know, <clears throat> hospitality is a key deal uh, in the Bible. And hospitality is this, that you're taking people into your home to look after them. Right? And um, in the Bible times, there were no <clears throat> holiday inns and there were no Maldrons and all the rest of it. Uh, what you had in Bible times was if you came to, a, came to a town, came to a village, somebody had to put you up. Right? And that hospitality. And this lady uh, has gone a step further. What she's done is instead of just wanting to take care of Elisha, she wants to make a little room for him and she wants to dedicate that. And oftentimes you have in churches and sometimes in people's homes too, you have a prophet's chamber. It's a, it's a room that's dedicated uh, to being a blessing. It comes from here. It comes from this passage. It's just a sweet, sweet uh, idea and shows a tender heart towards God uh, on this woman's uh, behalf. Right? <clears throat> right, verse 10. Uh, sorry, verse 11. Then it fell on a day that he came thither and turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And, she, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Right, so he comes one day and he, and he calls, he, you know, he lies on his bed, and the, the bed that she's made for him, and she's think, he's thinking, hmm, this is really sweet. This is really kind. She's, she's been such a blessing to us. Right? And he, he says, We've never done anything for her. I wonder if she need anything. Now, where do you think that thought came from, by the way? God, God had a plan. By the way, be careful of those things in your life. Sometimes God puts something in your heart, and he's, int he's intending to do something, and you need to follow through with it. You know, <clears throat> um, uh, you need to actually let God use you to be a blessing in other people's lives. And that's what's happening here. Uh, God is putting something on Elisha's heart to do for this woman. Now, her response is absolutely amazing. What, what would happen in your life if a miracle-working prophet, a guy who had, uh, you know, parted the waters and a, a guy who had made uh, oil from the, um, <clears throat> for, for, for this widow, the other widow woman, uh, what, what, would, what, would, what would happen in your life uh, if this miracle-working prophet came to you and said to you, uh, is that what you need? What can I do for you? Man, you'd have your list out pretty quick, wouldn't you? Uh, you would have that list out of the back of your Bible, and you'd say, oh, yeah. Can I? Now, watch this woman's response. Watch her response, right? <clears throat> um, and he said, uh, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell amongst mine own people. You know what she was saying? I'm okay. I'm fine. I have enough. I don't need you to talk to anybody for me. 
I have sufficient. I have enough. I'm okay. This is one of the rare people in the world who's actually content with what they have. But she's content. She has enough. Now, let's talk about her situation for a a moment. Now, we haven't read it all yet, but I'm going to uh, tell you what's in it. I mean, her situation is not exactly ideal. She has no son. Gehazi's going to point that out in a moment. Uh, also, her husband. When it comes to her husband, we're going to see two things about her husband. First, first of all, her husband doesn't seem particularly caring about the boy. Now, nothing says he's a bad man. Right? But yeah, you know, the boy gets the boy's going to get sick, and he's going to tell one of the servants, "Hey, take him, take him back to his mother." You know, and and um, when he when he comes back, and the boy is dead, he doesn't he doesn't know uh, the boy is dead, and she doesn't tell him, but he doesn't ask after the boy. Right? And, and she doesn't tell him. So there's stuff going on for this woman that she's really not able to talk to her husband about. So her situation's not perfect. You know that nobody's situation is perfect. You know that nobody is in the place where they're contented because they have everything they want. Now, we like to read into that and say, oh, well, she's a great woman. She has it all. But there are severe lacks in her life. But she is contented. She's not looking for anything. She's not, let's put it this way, she's not aware of any needs that she has. They're not screaming at her all the time. She is okay. She wanted to be a blessing to this man. She is okay. Look at me at Philippians 4. Keep your finger there because I'm coming back there. But look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we're looking at verse 11. Paul speaking. Verse 10, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. You know what happened? They didn't send him any money. And he needed money to continue his ministry uh, on the outside, and they forgot they didn't send him any they, they forgot they didn't have it, whatever the reason, right? They, 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 they didn't send it to him, right? But look at what he says in verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Now, he, they forgot or they didn't do it and he was short, but he wasn't speaking in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul had learned a lesson that obviously this woman had learned too. Uh, he had learned to be content. For I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, <clears throat> Paul could easily have lived on the lacks in his life, couldn't he? I mean, he had a miserable life. I mean, you look at all the beatings he got, the fact that he was stoned, the fact that he was shipwrecked. You know, Paul could have lived on the misery in his life, he, but he never would have been Paul if he did. What he did was he learned to take the lacks as gifts from God. What are the lacks in your life that wreck your peace? What are the lacks in your life that chew you up and eat you up? You're going to say, well, pastor, I mean, if I told you they're, they're real. I know they're real. The lacks in this woman's life are real, and the lacks in Paul's life are real. And the lacks in your life are real, too. The difference between Paul and 
this woman and many of us is they didn't let it steal their peace. They didn't let those lacks steal their joy. They had God. They had enough. They had God. God was in it. Paul says, I, have, <clears throat> I am instructed. How was he instructed? You know what he did? When he had less than he needed, he said, this is from the Lord. Is the Lord giving you less than you think you need in some area of your life? I know he is. That's just the way it is. I know he's giving you less than you need in some area of your life. Now, what's your response to it? Is your response to say, thank you, Lord. I need to need this. I need this lack in my life. Thank you, Lord. Is that your response? Is your response to put it in his hands? You know, there's a kind of form of idolatry for us that we get bent out of shape when we don't have what we want. And we're a spoiled generation. And we expect more than any other generation that's gone. And it's easy for us to spend our lives longing for something God hasn't given us. And do you know that if God hasn't given it to you, it's not because he missed the boat. It's not because he didn't make it to the post on time. It's not because he was short. It's not because he didn't know because he knows everything about you. If God didn't give it to you, you know what? Because he doesn't want you to have it right now. And you can either be bent out of shape and complain about your lack, or you can say, okay, I'm going to be content anyway, because I have him. You, you, you know this woman, the, the, the Shunammite? Do, 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 do you know what her blessing was? Her, her blessing was being a blessing. She saw other people's lack, and she met their need and met their lack with no thought of her own lack. That's pretty mature. That's, that's getting over yourself and coming to the place where you can actually love others in spite of the fact that there are things you want in your own life that you don't have. And understand, you'll never have everything you want in your life. Not this side of heaven. You'll never have it all. But when you come to the place where you make peace with it and you accept from God's hand, you know, he doesn't want me to have this. I'm okay. This woman had made peace with it. Was she aware of the yearning for a child? Oh, yeah, you're going to see that as we read about it. She was aware of it. But she wasn't living, hanging out for it. Was she aware of the issues in her marriage? I'm sure she was. But she wasn't living, hanging out for that. She was satisfying herself in God and in serving others. And I think if we got that on board, it would help us a whole bunch. I don't need to have everything I want. I need to be satisfied in him and to use what I've got to serve others. And it's going to be just fine. And so here's a woman with huge lacks, just like you have in your life. But she's not complaining about the lacks. Now, they don't even occur to her. Now, back to our text in Second Kings, right? <clears throat> and she answered, I dwell amongst mine own people. And he said, Elisha, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. Verily, listen, she has no child. Gehazi's an interesting character, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> Gehazi's going to get himself in a bunch of trouble 
in a couple of chapters because of a covetous spirit that's within him. But you almost get the, get the sense that Gehazi uh, kind of uh, pokes around and talks to people and goes after situations with them, and uh, he, he, he kind of gets the lowdown on people, you know? Uh, so that, that's what Gehazi's done with this woman. And when Elijah says, what should be done for her? And Gehazi says, she has no son. She has no son. Her husband is old. She has no son. Um, and he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. You know what he was doing? He was kind of putting his finger on the point of pain for her. She had wanted and desired and longed for And now she had put it to rest. She had given it over to the Lord. And now Elisha is saying, yeah, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. This time, this time, uh, you're going to have a child. And she says, oh, don't do that. Don't stir me up again. Don't get me hoping for something that's not going to happen. Right? <clears throat> Um, and the woman conceived and bare a son uh, at that season that Elijah had said unto her, according to the time of life. I want you to know what's happening here. Right? We've got Elijah, we've got this woman, we've got Gehazi, we've got all these characters involved in this little play that we're looking at. Uh, but the one character that we're not really seeing named is God. And all of this is planned by God. Why do you think this Shunammite woman built a house in the wall for Elisha? Because God put it in her heart. Why do you think Elisha learned to love staying there? Because God put it in his heart. Why do you think Elisha's lying on his bed one night and thinking, what's to be done for this woman? Because God put it in his heart. And God is the great orchestrator of things. You know, <clears throat> sometimes we think we kind of invite him into the situation. It kind of looks like this. Now, yeah, well, Elisha decided the woman was going to have a child, so he prays and God says he's going to have a child. No, no, no. Elisha wasn't able to do anything. Elisha was just able to do what God wanted him to do. And God's going to give this woman a baby. God's going to do something in her life. God's been working in this little woman's heart and life for years. He's been drawing her out for years and years. And now he's going to give her a child. And as sure as Elisha said it, on time, she has this child. And when the child was grown... It fell on a day that he went into, out to his father, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Now, it's several years later. I, <clears throat> but what do you do when you get a gift that turns as sour as that? I mean, she had made peace with it. She didn't want a child anymore. She was okay with it. God steps into the situation and stirs her up and gives her a boy. And one morning, the boy goes out after breakfast, happy as anything, feeling as normal as normal could be, and he goes out to the field. He gets a headache we know what it is, tumor, sunstroke. We don't know what it is. The Bible doesn't tell us. He comes home, and at noon he dies. Before lunchtime, he's dead. There's a lot of stuff for us to understand in that. 
do you know that you and I both think we're going to come to church next Sunday, but we'll be in America, we'll come to church, go to church in America. We, we, we think we're going to do, uh, we've got the week planned out and all the things that we're going to do and all the things that are going to happen. Do you know this little boy thought he was going to be alive at tea time? Now, he was, but he was going to die first. <clears throat> and you and I don't know how long we have in this life. We really don't. We think we do. We, kind of, we don't like thinking about death, so we think we have like. So we need to remember, my life hangs on a very thin thread. And God holds the thread. I, I, I want to live for him. If I end up in his presence next Sunday rather than preaching in church in the States, I want to be in the right place with him. Don't you? Don't you? If you're not saved, you need to get saved. But if you're saved, don't you want to live for him and walk with him? I want to be in the right place if that happens. I want to live in that place because at any moment I can be ushered into his presence. I can be in his presence in a moment, in a heartbeat. This little boy, I didn't know it, but that was going to, his life was going to flow out of him that day. It can happen so quickly. We think we're so robust. We think we're so strong. and We've got life by the tail. We don't have nothing by the tail. We live on God's time. And the moment he says it's over, it's over. But back to our story here. Uh, this little woman now has, she has been lifted up to the dizzy heights of joy. And now she has been sent spinning and crashing down to the depths. Go to see the way she responds. She responds incredibly in this situation. She responds incredibly. Now, l- l- let me talk to you a little bit about faith before we go any further. Faith is knowing that God will do me good. I know that God will do me good. Why? Because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Here's this little woman. She's been seeking God. She's been accepting of what God has done in her life. She's been looking after and blessing those that she could bless. She's been seeking the Lord with all her heart. God's given her a child, and she knows he's going to do her good. So you know what she's going to do? She's going to prepare for a resurrection instead of preparing for a burial. Now, the normal thing to do when somebody dies is, you know, you call the doctor, you call the guards maybe, and you call the undertaker. That's what you do. You know, you set up a whale and you, and you, you, you accept that. That's, that's the normal thing that you do. But that's not what this woman does. Right? Look what she does. <clears throat> uh, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Didn't tell anybody. She shut the door on him and went out. She didn't put him on his own bed. She puts him up on Elisha's bed. And she shut the door upon him, and she went out. And she called unto her husband, and she said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go unto him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. She didn't tell him. She doesn't let him in on what's going on uh, in the situation. Then she sadly asked, and she said to the servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God in Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered it as well. Now why did she 
tell Gehazi that because she wasn't committing her story and her pain to Gehazi. She wasn't telling him. And we're going to see in a moment why. Uh, Gehazi wasn't sympathetic or kind to her in the way that Elisha was. And he didn't understand what was going on in the way that Elisha was. I, <clears throat> Verse 27, when she came to the man of God, uh, to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Now that's absolutely fascinating to me. Do you know Gehazi, or Elisha, is surprised that something has happened in his, this woman's life that God hasn't actually told him about before she got... He said, the Lord's hid it from me. The Lord hasn't shown me it. Now what kind of a relationship does that speak of with God? And again, remember, it said of Elijah... This is the predecessor of Elijah, that he was a man of like passions as we are. God put that in there to show us he's the same as us. These men are the same as us. But Elisha had a walk with God that when this woman comes running to him and there's something really bad wrong, he, he says, leave her alone. There's something really wrong with her and God hasn't told me what it is. He was used to knowing he was used to hearing from God in such a way that God would tell him what was going on. Do you realize there's an intimacy that you can have with God that few ever achieve? Do you realize that you can have the reality of God in your life? Do you realize that God still talks to his people? Do you realize that God wants to talk to you? Now, God didn't just save you so you could have fire insurance and go to heaven. God saved you for himself to reconcile you to himself so that he could have a relationship with you. And God wants to talk to you. God wants to spend time with you. Now, what could be better than that? Would money? Would pleasure? What could be better than having God talk to you? And that's what Elisha was used to. He was used to that relationship. I want that, don't you? I want that relationship with God. I want to hear from God all the time. I want to talk with God. That's what we're made for. It's a two-way relationship. You know, when you open the Word in the morning, God will speak to you, but there are times when God will take and God will speak to you and show you what He wants and what He wants you to do. And those are precious moments in your life. Because God wants to speak to His people. And Elisha is surprised that God hasn't told him. Let's continue on here. Uh, and she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did not I say, Do not deceive me? What's she saying? Elisha, your blessing. Your blessing has brought me great pain. I didn't ask for it. You decided you were going to do it. Then she said to Gehazi, Gird up thy... Then he said, Elisha said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. And if thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again, that, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. 
And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. Now, let me just interject this here. <clears throat> and I can't explain fully this part, this part of the story to you. But one of the differences between Elijah and Elisha was, uh, Elijah was hands-on. If there was a deed to do in Elijah's ministry, Elijah was the man that was doing it. Elisha, on the other hand, usually gave instructions for somebody else to do it. So uh, when it came to the widow with the oil, he didn't come and pour the oil for her. He said, listen, go get the jars, get your oil, and fill the jars and sell it. He told her what to do. Now, on this occasion, Elisha sends Gehazi with his staff, probably because he's going to get there quicker, to put his staff on the boy to raise him up. And so uh, Gehazi does that, uh, but the woman says, I'm not leaving. I'm not running after him to see what's going to happen. I'm not leaving. I'm here with you. And until this is fixed, I'm going to be with you. I'm I'm on top of the situation until this is fixed, right? Um, And Gehazi passed by, passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. Nothing happened, boss. He's not awake. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door upon the twain and prayed unto the Lord. You know what? He had a heart and an interest in this thing. But you know what? There was one who had a greater heart and a greater interest in it. And he prays unto the Lord. And when he went up, verse 34, and, and, and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, uh, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. And it just goes on to another story after that. Right now, here's an incredible story, isn't it? <clears throat> God gives this woman a child, and then he lets the child die. She won't accept that God has taken the child away. She goes to Elisha, and Elisha takes and raises up the child again. So what's the story all about? The story is a story about faith. Faith, that's part of working miracles in our lives. Now, what was this woman's faith? She reasoned, if God gave me this child then he wouldn't just take my child away. And she reasoned that God was going to raise him up from the dead. Now you say, how did she reason that? Well, <clears throat> you see, Elijah had done that for the widow of Zarephath. She'd raised, he had raised uh, <clears throat> her son up, and she probably heard the stories. I mean, if Elisha uh, was, was a visitor at her house regularly, I mean, she would have heard that. She would have heard those stories, and she expected that God would do the same for her. Right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hearing what God had done. And she had faith to believe that God would do it for her too. And she has a faith 
that doesn't prepare for a burial. It prepares for a resurrection. And she has a faith that won't quit. She comes and she lays hold of Elisha, and she just won't quit. Now, here's the interesting part of the story. Look with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 35. Hebrews chapter 11 is the roll call of faith. It explains faith to us. It illustrates faith in all the people's lives, some of them in depth. Spends several verses on them. But at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it's as though Paul hasn't got any more time to write, so he just throws in a whole bunch of stuff one after the other. And look what verse 35 says. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Do you know there was a purpose in this woman losing her son? There was a purpose in her being barren. There was a purpose in her losing her son. God was working something out in her life. He was working out a better resurrection. Now, how did he work out a better resurrection? He dealt with her in the area of faith. He drew her into a deeper and deeper faith. I mean, doesn't it seem cruel to give somebody a child and then let that child die in her lap? Doesn't that seem cruel? Doesn't, doesn't that seem unthinkable almost? You wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And yet God did. Now why did he do it? He did it so that he could build her faith up and so that he could give her a better resurrection. The Shunammite woman's in Hebrews chapter 11. She's one of the heroes of the faith. She's up there ranked alongside those people that were tortured, that were sawn asunder, that were all the rest. Um, <clears throat> she's, she's up there with them because God did a work in her life and built her faith. Now, I'm not asking you to believe in resurrection for anybody. But I am asking you to believe in God and to believe that God can do anything that he wants to do in your life. And you should expect him to do it. You should expect miracles in your life. You should come to the place where you're happy with what God gives you, but you know what? There's nothing he can't do. Absolutely nothing. Do you find yourself with a need in your life that you can't fix? And that, you know what? If he wants you to accept it from his hand, you'll accept it from his hand. But really... You like that need, man. There's nothing he can't do. Nothing. You say, well, it's past the time for me. There's nothing he can't do. Nothing. You say, well, it's impossible. He's the God of the impossible. Look at him in Scripture. In Scripture, he's constantly facing people with impossible situations, and then he is championing them in those impossible situations. And he's still the same God. He still wants to do that in your life. So what is it that you need? Can I ask you to do two things? First of all, accept it from his hand. If he decides not to give it to you, that's just fine. 
But secondly, remember this. He is able. He can take and turn your life around and change it. What he's doing is he's working in your heart and in your life to build faith because that's what gives you a better resurrection. Got some things going on that are right there right now? Sure you do. He's working in your heart and life because he wants to give you a better resurrection. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless this people, Lord? Lord, we thank you for the story of the Shunammite woman, Lord, for your might, your power in her life. And Lord, we walk a knife edge in our lives, Lord. So many things we want and hard to be content with all the things that we want. Lord, would you help us? Help us to rest in you and trust in you and know that you give us exactly what we need. But Lord, help us to go deeper than that and know that you have the power to change it all in a moment. And Lord, may we rest in you and yet trust you for great things. In Jesus' precious name, amen.